Hi, and welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church Podcast. We want to thank you for joining us online and remind you to feel free to visit our website at seacoastvineyard.com anytime for up-to-date information on our local church here in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. If you would like to give financially to this ministry, whether that's a one-time gift or a recurring monthly gift, simply click on the Give tab at our website and give however God leads you. Now, we want you to enjoy this message from God's Word. Hey, so again, welcome you guys. Glad you're here. Did everybody have a good Christmas? Yeah? Good. I'm glad. I had a wonderful Christmas and uh, had some family in, my mom, who's not usually here with us, and so she's here, and it was a really good Christmas, so you, I hope you all had a good time as well. But we are now four days away from that inevitable event, New Year's, right? And uh, I think there's some football game Thursday night or something, but... Um, time of year we kind of reflect and all of those things come on television you know year in review and you watch one after another and after another and maybe you're reflecting about your year a little bit it has been as it always is a very packed year there has been so much uh, that has happened in the last year as we look back and I know you probably had good things happen you probably may have had some some not so good things happen um, I look back, I turned 29 this year. Wait, no, I turned 50 this year. <laughs> you know, that's kind of a milestone thing. And, and we, we go and we, this time of year, set goals for what we want to do over the next year and, and things that we want to accomplish. And I set a goal last January. I'm like, okay, I want to lose 30 pounds. Okay, I want to lose 30 pounds. That was a good goal. It was an honorable goal. And I made it about two-thirds of the wave. And I was just kind of bumming, you know, I was thinking as I was writing this, what happened that I didn't make it all the way? And I have a friend, and he said, usually when we don't meet a goal, it's one of two things. It's because we either lacked opportunity, okay, which I really didn't lack opportunity to lose 30 pounds, <laughs> I go to Coastal Carolina University, and there's a whole building full of exercise equipment, okay? I certainly did not lack opportunity. But the second reason is sometimes we lack focus. And I decided that certainly was where I had lost losing it, was that I had lacked focus when it came to changes in diet and exercise and things. And we're going to meet a guy today in the scripture that, that is kind of sometimes like that a lot. I mean, Peter is this guy who just has this wealth of opportunities in front of him, but he sometimes lacks focus. And if you read your Bible at all, or if you listen to any of the stories, you know Peter is this brash, bold, kind of, you know, blue-collar type of guy. He's a hard worker. He's a fisherman. He's a little rough around the edges, but he's more from the get-or-done side of the world, okay? He's more like ready, fire, aim. And that sometimes gets Peter into a little trouble, and it's actually sometimes good for Peter. But we're going to look at one of those situations this morning. And um, he just really interests me for a lot of reasons. But, you know, Peter was one of the first two disciples that Jesus called, and I find it incredibly interesting that this guy who's kind of like no muss, no fuss, not scientific. I don't think Peter is a real deep thinker. 
You know, he doesn't sit around for hours pondering how he's going to go out and fish tomorrow and what strategy can I use to fish? He's kind of like, okay, here's what you do. You get in the boat, you go out, you throw the net over the side, you pull up the fish, you come back. That's Peter, right? Do you know he um, takes off with Jesus to start doing ministry at nothing more than come follow me? Isn't that interesting that a guy like that didn't need any other reason than come follow me? So we're going to look at Peter this morning. We're going to be over in Matthew 14, uh, verses 22 to right around 33 or so. And I'm not going to read the whole passage. Um, I want to start in verse 24, and then we'll go back and and take a look at this. So here we go, Matthew 14 and, and 24. Meanwhile... The disciples were in trouble far away from land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, It's a ghost! But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage, I am here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? They climbed back into the boat, and the wind stopped, and then the disciples worshipped him and said, You really are the Son of God, they exclaimed. So let's pray. Father God, um, thank you that we can gather here this morning. Thank you that we can that we can delve into you, Lord, and experience you, Lord. And so this morning I ask that as maybe we see a little bit of ourselves in this scripture. Father, that, that sometimes we're afraid and we lack courage. And then sometimes, Lord, we go and do things without thinking. Father, that, that you speak to us in this this morning, that you open hearts and Holy Spirit come. You are welcome. Bring fresh revelation. Bring experience and touch people's hearts this morning as we spend our time together. In Jesus' name, amen. So... I want to give us a little context as to what's going on here, because it's not always important that we understand, you know, like the the hours before the story or the 24 hours before the story. But in this case, it's really, really important because what has happened is this takes place, you know, obviously in the evening. But the day before, Jesus experienced a really important and powerful event in his life. His cousin... John the Baptist, which if you remember, some of you might have heard during the Christmas story. You remember when Mary was pregnant with Jesus? She goes to her cousin's house, Elizabeth, and the two babies are in the womb. And when they get near each other, they begin kicking in the womb at the same time as if they know the other one's there even before they're born. So Jesus and John the Baptist have always had this really close relationship even before birth. And John the Baptist, the day before this story happens, is beheaded by Herod. Just on a whim, something that happens at a party. I'll let you read the story for yourself. But John the Baptist is beheaded. 
And Jesus takes this really hard, you know, as probably any of us would. John the Baptist kind of heralded Jesus' coming ministry. He's the first to say, okay, this is the one we've been waiting for. And now, you know, it seems as with the darkness has won and he's been beheaded and he's not around anymore. And so Jesus withdraws for a little bit. He goes up on a mountain, spends some time talking to his father, kind of gets things right. And I'm sure at least the human part of Jesus goes through a little bit of grieving process here. I mean, he knows, you know, where John the Baptist is now. He knows he's, he's in the kingdom enjoying the father in his fullness. But, but I, I can't help but think, you know, it, Jesus had to kind of pause and, and talk to the father about this. And then he says, okay, I guess it's time to go back to work. Here we go. So he goes back to work, and what does he do? In the middle of chapter 14 of Matthew, the next thing you see happen is the feeding of the 5,000. He does this incredible miracle. And I think Jesus is like, okay, this is getting closer and closer to the time I really have to get the world's attention. I really have to let them know what the Father is up to. That's what I'm here to do. And so it's a really important thing. And so... But the problem is, is at the end of the feeding of the 5,000, the scripture says that Jesus dismisses the disciples and then he dismisses the crowd. Because what has happened is as the loaves and the fishes are being cleaned up, if you remember, there are like 12 basketfuls left over out of only five loaves and two fish. There's more leftovers maybe than even fed the whole group of people. The people start to go, yes. He's the one, he's the one, except they don't quite get it. They think, okay, he's going to overthrow the Roman government. This is it. It's on like Donkey Kong. This is the beginning of the revolution. And the disciples, like probably particularly Peter, who is very prone to this kind of, you know, thinking of here we go, we're going to overthrow the government, a little bit of zeal and a little bit of, hey, let's get this thing going. They start to get a little caught up in it. And Jesus says, hey, this isn't the thing you guys can get caught up in. This is different. This is not revealing God the Father. This is talking about political systems and the government and the world. We don't want to get caught up in that. So he tells the disciples, go get in this boat and take off for where we're going to do ministry next. And then Jesus by himself goes back and tells the 5,000, look, it's been a great day. Y'all had a free meal. Go home. (laughs) Okay. Just... Just go home. It's not going to happen like that. Everything's going to be fine. And so that's where we get into this story with um, the, the disciples in the boat. And this, this storm comes up, right? So it's the middle of the night. The scripture says it's like 3 o'clock in the morning. And there's this storm has come up. And Jesus is off praying. But he knows, okay, the boys are out in the boat. And it's getting a little rough out there. I'm going to have to go rescue him because he's used to the disciples being a little, you know, a little shaky. They, they tend to get scared of things at the drop of a hat. So Jesus says, I'll, I'll, I'll go out to them and take care of them. And that's where we, we jump in. And so what you hear is that as soon as the disciples see Jesus, they don't recognize him. They think it's a ghost. And so they're all freaked out. So now they're seeing ghosts. They're in a ship. It's bobbing. It's getting a little rough. They're worried it's going to capsize. And they start to get even more scared because now they think they're being descended on by a ghost. But Jesus says, listen, you know, those words in the Bible that everybody waits to hear. 
do not be afraid. Don't be afraid. It's me. And all the disciples are kind of like they're cool with that, except the only one who yells out, the only one who says, oh, it's Jesus, is Peter. Peter's the only one. And what does he say? He calls out, he says, Lord, if it's you, in verse 28. So your first fill-in is this, if you're taking notes this morning. First, we need connection. First, we need connection. Peter knew Jesus really well. He had become one of Jesus' closest friends. And so he kind of knows how Jesus would react if he's walking out to them. And he's kind of got a good idea of the kinds of things that that Jesus would say and that he would do in, in scary situations like this because he knows him so well. He's spent time with him, okay? This is not now a stranger coming out on the water to him. And, you know, we all know a lot of people. I know a lot of people. I would dare say I have probably met just about everyone in the room this morning and a whole lot more people. But at the end of the day, we all have kind of a closer group of people that we really talk to when things get a little nuts, right? I mean, most of us don't call out to that guy we've met three times at the Scotchman, right? (laughs) When someone in our family goes in the hospital or when we lose our job or something, we call that maybe one or two people that probably are in our small group, but we've been close to them for a long time, and it's a tested friendship. It's a tested relationship. And those are the people we reach out to when it gets really nuts. And I want you to think about this morning how those people got to be kind of in your inner circle. How did they get there? And if you think about it, I bet it's one of two ways. I bet you were there for them at some critical junctures. You were that person that walked into their life when the the wind and the waves were coming up and said, okay, I'm here. Or... Little steps along the way, you've kind of checked this person out. Like, you know, I don't know. I'm having a really hard day. I'm going to try talking to Joe and see what happens, right? And, and if Joe says, hey, man, I'm sorry you're having a hard day, and, you know, let me pray for you and everything, then you know next time you're having a hard day, you can talk to him again. But if he says, hey, man, too bad, get him tomorrow, Probably not going to go back (laughs) and check him out again. And so little by little, we let people walk into our lives like that. And I think that's, that's very much what Peter has done with Jesus and what Jesus has done with Peter. So they kind of have this shared vulnerability. They kind of, you know, know each other that way a little bit. And so Peter's getting ready to ask Jesus a question based on that relationship because what what we want to remember too is Peter knew John the Baptist as well. Peter knew John the Baptist too. He knew him really well. And they think that's why he was able to be drawn to Jesus so easily is because he did know John the Baptist and he'd seen the ministry and he, he had the hope and the expectation of what Jesus was coming to do. And so he's... He's kind of feeling like, I bet Jesus understands how I feel right now that John's been beheaded. 
And I bet I understand how Jesus feels right now that John's been beheaded. And so Peter, for all of his brashness, for all of his you know, lack of thinking things through, says, I bet right now this would be a good time to ask Jesus something. Because he's been hanging around him for a little while now. This is the disciples are, are getting to that place where, okay, they've seen a few things. You know, just that very morning, they see him feed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fishes. And so he's like, you know, I left a perfectly good job to go and do this. And this guy is kind of like, he might be the real deal. He might, he might be that thing. And this is no longer just a job of walking around and trying to tell people stories about the Jewish kingdom and the, and the way things are going to be. This is, this is getting real for Peter. So he kind of floats a question to Jesus. He kind of floats a question to Jesus, and he says, Can I, if it's you, Lord, tell me to come out on the water? Can I come out on the water to you? And I bet a lot of you this morning have a question that you need to ask the Lord. It's a place where you need to test that relationship. You need to see where God is in your life. And it may sound something like, Lord, I don't have any money right now, but can my wife and I have this baby? Lord, I don't know. I've got an okay job. But I really think that if I could just, if I could start my own business, that might be the thing. And we're sitting here four days from 2016, and I've got those kind of questions rolling around in my mind, like, Lord, what do you want me to do next year? What do you have for me? Can I? Can I walk out on the water? He's asking if he can go all in. Like, Jesus, can I go all in with you? And he gets his answer, doesn't he? Your second fill-in is this. The truth is that it requires a little courage. A little courage. See, there's nothing wrong with being in the boat. Peter asks this question. Jesus gives him an answer. And then he gets out of the boat, right? Peter doesn't ask, hey, Lord, can I come on out to you? After he's halfway over the side of the boat. Or he doesn't start out on the water before he asks Jesus, can I? He asks, and he waits for that answer from Jesus. And Jesus says, yeah, come on. Come on out. And so that's where Peter goes back into ready, fire, aim. And now he's ready to get out of the boat. But the truth is, is he didn't have to muster a bunch of courage. He just had to muster a little bit of obedience. He just had to muster a very little bit of obedience. And trust me, Peter knows this. I'm sure this is not the first time this fisherman has been in a boat in the middle of a storm. This area was particularly well known for these storms coming up out of nowhere. It's just the way the topography was. So you could be out there and it's not that you weren't paying attention to the weather or it's not that you were doing something really, you know, kind of courageous. I'm going to go out and fish in the storm. It's just you could get caught out there like this. Are you getting this? Does that sound like life? 
Like all of a sudden you find yourself in a place where there's a storm and you need to know, Jesus, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? And so if he says, yeah, it's okay to get out of the boat, you do still have to get out of the boat. (laughs) You know, at the end of the day, that's what the scripture says. Peter got down out of the boat in verse 29. But it's not because he had mustered all this proof. And I think where we get so freaked out by this is all the time we watch people do things that look like faith, but they're not really faith, are they? Because it's just them deciding, I'm going to do something hard. I'm going to do something courageous. I'm going to take that step out. But it's me deciding to do that. It's not me responding and being obedient to Jesus. It's me mustering up all the courage I have. And then what happens when we do things like that? Most times we fail, right? We fail. And then we say, well, I'm not taking any more chances. You know, I didn't lose 30 pounds last year, so I'm not putting the last 10 on the list this year. It'll be easier that way. And we get gun shy. And then we don't ask Jesus for places where he can stretch our lives, where he can grow our lives, what, what he has ready for us to walk into. Because he has things, Scripture says, that he's ready for you to walk into. Psalm 27 Says, says it this way. It says, The Lord is my light and my salvation, so why should I be afraid? And we hear that psalm, and we think, Well, yeah, I've got Jesus on my side. I can walk into anything. I can walk into that back alley in downtown Myrtle Beach at midnight and not worry about getting mugged. No, you can't. <laughs> I mean, I'll tell you, hey, look, the Lord has watched out for me many, many times in some places that I probably ought not have been and uh, got through it safely. I'm not saying he doesn't do that. I'm just saying we don't walk around assuming that. That's not what that scripture is about. That's saying when we inquire of the Lord and we maintain relationship with him and we ask him how we ought to do our lives and what steps we ought to take, then there's nothing that can stop us. There is nothing that can stop a church that prays together and inquires of the Lord and says, what do you want us to do in 2016? We've done some really neat things in 2015. You know that? We've done some really neat things. We have touched a lot of people in a lot of ways. Over 100 people have started their walk with Jesus right in this room. Things have happened here, but it's because we're at, you know the old vineyard saw, right? Is that... Figure out what God's doing and get behind and do it with him, right? And so that's all this is. That's all Peter's done. He's figured out what God's doing, and he's trying to get behind him and do it with him. But what happens? Peter gets a couple steps out there, and just like a lot of us, he takes his eyes off of Jesus, and he starts to sink, right? Does that happen sometimes even when we... When we ask God, what do you want? What, what do I need to be doing? And he tells you and you start out doing it. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, this is harder than I thought, Jesus. And that's when we start sinking. And we forget the reason why we went out on the water in the first place, right? We forget what called us out onto the water. What made us get out of the boat? Why did we leave and go after what Jesus wants for us? Because he said, I got this. 
Your third fill-in is this. We can remember Jesus' compassion. The scripture says Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him in verse 31. Immediately reached out and grabbed him. Peter's going down only because he took his eyes off of Jesus. But you know what? Jesus is not going to tell you to go do something. And when it starts to get hard, go, well, you're not doing it right. No, he's going to do what he does with Peter. He reaches down. He pulls him out of the water. And just for next time, he says, dude, you could have trusted me more. That's all he's saying. He said, I wouldn't, I had you. We weren't going to let this get away. You can do this. You know, sometimes when we fail and when it gets hard and we feel like we're going under, we expect Jesus to go, man, you're so doing it wrong. I should let you go straight to the bottom. Some of us have that tape playing in our brain, and it's just not God. It's just not a God that loves you saying that. Jesus is the guy that's going to go, oh, whoops, man, you stumbled. Come on, get up. Let's go. Let's try this again. Let's try this again, you and me together. Come on. We can't forget Jesus' compassion. It takes connection. It takes a little courage. And we have to remember Jesus' compassion. This is where Peter gets changed. This is where Peter gets changed. After this passage in Matthew, for the rest of Jesus' ministry, he stops doing big public miracles. This is the last one. From here on out, Jesus will spend the rest of his time pulling his disciples in closer and trying to to give them more of the vision of ministry, to give them more of the reasons why he came. And then the rest of his time, he's going to spend talking to people like the Pharisees and calling them out and correcting them. But this is the last time he's like, okay, guys, here's the deal. I fed 5,000 people and y'all still didn't get it. I'm going to stop doing that. I'm going to make it a little more private. And this is what Peter, I don't know if he realizes, but I think he might realize a little bit. Because this is where he's been, out, he's been watching. He's been watching. He's been doing because it's the right thing to do. And he's, he's that fisherman guy that's like, okay, we're going to go do hard work. We're going to get people saved. This is going to happen. It's great. But he realizes there's something personal missing in this for him. He hasn't put a personal stake in this yet. And that might be you this morning. Maybe you've been standing on the sidelines of church. Maybe you've been standing on the sidelines of a relationship. Maybe you've been standing on the sidelines of a relationship with Jesus. And you need to make it personal. You need to ask God, can I go all in? Is today the day that I go all in, Jesus? Can I do that with you? Can I go all in with my spouse? Can I go all in with that one friend of mine? Band wants to come back up. We'll close out here. You know how this works out for Peter? Let me tell you how this works out for Peter. Peter ends up being one of Jesus' closest friends 
and, and most beloved disciples all the way up to the crucifixion. All the way up, and he even stumbles. He stumbles right as Jesus is, is being taken by the, the Romans to be crucified. He says, I didn't know him. I didn't know him. I didn't know him. And Jesus comes back and gives him three chances. Three chances to say, I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. Let me feed your sheep. Peter would end up planning hmm, kind of a big deal church. But before he gets to do that, you know what Peter gets to do? I thought walking on water was neat. I was kind of like, wow, if I could walk on water, I'd do that every day, right? (laughs) Just because I could. In Acts 9, Peter raises a woman from the dead. Peter raises a woman, Tabitha, from the dead. How's that for hanging in there with your faith? How's that for the answer to, Lord, what, what can I do with you? Let's pray. We hope you enjoyed this week's podcast from Seacoast Vineyard Church in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. We look forward to you joining us next time on iTunes or at our website, www.seacoastvineyard.com.